I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Thanks so much for listening to my podcast. If you like what you hear, please follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and also at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Thanks so much for listening. Enjoy it. I'm so excited to discuss my sponsor today, which is Page One Books, because my summer book bundle is ready on pageonebooks.com. And the bundle that I've put together includes three books that I picked, uh, Montauk by Nicola Harrison, More Myself by Alicia Keys, and I Miss You When I Blink by Mary Laura Philpot, all of which have been on this podcast here. Uh, it includes a Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books, Beach Tote, a cute little library card pencil slash cosmetic case, and a water bottle for staying hydrated, plus a little... Um, thing of sun lotion. So go to page1books.com, page one with the number one. So page number one books.com and check out my page one books summer bundle. Buy it as a gift, a housewarming, if you actually go somewhere or just give it to yourself. Everybody needs a treat. We've had a long spring. <laughs> page one books.com. Welcome to Inside and Out, the body edition of the July Book Blast. This is Thursday's Body Blast. Let's call it that, the Body Blast. And I'm calling it that because one author is a ballerina, one is a yoga teacher, and one investigates DNA. So that's why I hope you'll enjoy these varied takes on the human body. Tyler Peck is the co-author of Katarina Ballerina. She is an international ballerina herself and has been a principal dancer with the New York City Ballet since 2009. She has been seen on Broadway in On the Town and The Music Man and originated the role of Marie in the Kennedy Center's production of Little Dancer alongside Kyle Harris, who is the co-author. Ms. Peck performed for President Obama at the 2012 and 2014 Kennedy Center Honors. Ms. Peck has guested on Dancing with the Stars twice and appeared on Julie Andrews' Netflix series, Julie's Green Room. She's the recipient of the 2013 Princess Grace Statue Award and was named one of Forbes's 30 Under 30 in Hollywood Entertainment. Most recently, she was the first woman to curate three performances titled Ballet Now at the Los Angeles Music Center and is the subject of a documentary directed by Stephen Cantor and produced by Elizabeth Moss for Hulu. She lives in New York City with her dog, Callie. Welcome, Tyler. Thanks so much for coming on my show. Thank you for having me. No, this is such a treat. Oh my gosh. You're like world famous ballerina. It's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) The best part though, are your Instagram classes. And tell me about like how you, I want to hear about your book, Katerina Ballerina, but your Instagram during quarantine and starting classes and Josh Groban popping by. Tell me about all of that. Yeah, it's, really become something so incredible. I started it out just because I need to continue staying in shape to get in, you know, to stay in New York City ballet shape. And so I need to do class every single day. So when the quarantine hit and I thought, okay, I need to give myself class. I thought, I bet there are so many people stuck at home, like going crazy with nothing to do. And so many of their normal classes are probably canceled. So I thought I might as well, I'd never done an Instagram live. And I thought, I think this is how you do it. I'll just push the button. I'll see how it goes. Maybe there will be like five people dancing with me. And then I I didn't even know what the numbers meant. Honestly, I I didn't know what it meant. And then when I, somebody said, you know, oh, there was like, you know, 1500 people dancing with you today. And I thought, how incredible. And then I started getting messages from all around the world, people in Iran, South Africa, Australia, the UK, like everybody. And that is so special to me that, you know, we're really going through this 
tough time with COVID and then now the riots and everything. So if I can keep people connected in dance and bringing together different forms and different guests to help, you know, spread their joy, like Josh Groban was one of my favorite guests who popped on because he was just so fun, so funny. Who knew? I had no idea. Such a great sense of humor. And how special for people in their homes to get to dance to Josh Groban singing. You know, that doesn't happen very often. And I'm just trying to bring joy to people's lives. And it's been really, really incredible for me too. That's so awesome. So how are, are you going to keep it going? What's your, do you have a plan or just see how it goes? I know everybody keeps asking me that. And obviously I won't be able to do it at the time when I normally do it. Cause I'll be giving, hopefully when we get back to New York city Valley, I'll be in my own class, but I am going to have to figure out some sort of way to keep it going. Cause I would feel so bad. Like I was leaving all of these people behind because I know they count on it. And so I don't know, I, I, I definitely won't give it up. We'll just figure it'll be in a different form. Turn out with Tyler will be in some other form. <laughs> so neat. Well, it's really great you provide that service. I hadn't done Instagram Live either until the quarantine. And I was like, um, what do I press? And anyway, but it's great. It's such a nice way to be able to unite people around things they're interested in. Like I do book stuff <laughs> in a much smaller scale than you, but still it's so nice to be able to connect this way and bring stories like yours. <laughs> yeah, we've actually, Kyle and I, who's my co-author for Katarina Ballerina, we've done an Instagram live. We started kind of like a Saturday stories where we started at the beginning of the book. We've only done two so far, but we're just kind of reading it through and letting anybody who wants to ask us questions pop in and we do like a little Q&A and it's been really fun to get to know the readers because we didn't get to have, you know, like our book signing tour that we were planning on. So this is a way for us to still get to hear from our readers. So tell me about Katerina Ballerina, which I read. I read half of it out loud to my daughter, who's almost seven. But what inspired you to write the book? How did you team up with Kyle Harris? Like, tell me the whole story. Okay. So Kyle Harris and I met when we were doing a new Broadway musical. We were doing it in D.C. in 2014, actually. And it was called Little Dancer. And he plays my opposite. He plays my boyfriend in the show. And really, we, we became really great friends. We're completely different. He knows nothing about dance. He actually grew up playing soccer and then moved into musical theater. And he's a really great actor and has a great voice. So we were in this musical together. And he was in awe of the ballet world because that's what the musical was. It was, it was called Little Dancer. Now it's called Marie. And it's about Edgar Degas sculptured the little dancer and I play her. So here he was surrounded in this world of ballet, which he knew nothing about. And so he wrote a little poem and the poem was Katarina Ballerina. And it was just like a little one page poem. And he showed it to me and I was like, Kyle, this is really good. Like, I think you actually have something here. And it wasn't until a few years later, like 2017, I believe, when I said, you know what, Kyle, like, let's really try and make something happen with that poem. I don't know what it is, but let's just get in a room and see what we can do. And so we thought, okay, we'll make a children's picture book. <laughs> so when we went to Simon and Schuster, we thought, okay, here's the poem. We think this could be a really cute children's picture book. And they said, we love it, but we want you to make a chapter book because we think that this has more of a story and a message than just a picture book. And so they said, would you want to go back and start trying to write 
chapter book. And we were like, well, that seems very daunting, but <laughs> we'll try. And so we went back, we started writing together. I always really enjoyed writing and Kyle's really great. And so the two of us together, it was just like such a great partnership and it made for a really fun and interesting story, I think, because we were able to incorporate ourselves a little bit in her. You know, he has this crazy curly hair and he's the one who's a little pigeon toed. And we thought, okay, why don't we put those characteristics into Katarina? So she isn't the perfect dancer. She doesn't have the perfect, you know, what you think the perfect ballerina looks like, you know, whatever that may be. She wanted slick back hair and, you know, perfect turnout. And we wanted Katarina not to have those things, but to have that thing that you can't teach which is that light that makes people like want to watch you dance. And that is the most important thing, I think, in a dancer. You know, you can work on technique, but it's really hard to teach somebody to have that joy. That has to come from within. So that's really the message. It's kind of just, you know, owning your own unique gifts because what she thinks are, you know, what's going to hold her back is really what ends up making her stand out. And so it's not comparing yourself to the next student because, I mean, if I were to compare myself to anybody in the New York City Ballet, you know, I'd probably be like, oh, I think maybe I shouldn't dance because somebody always has something better than you and you may have something better than them. And it's just everybody's different. And I really think that's an important message for kids, but also just anybody to be reminded of that. It's so true. Sometimes the things you wish weren't there are the things that make you, the things that make you who you are. I mean, that's where all the, the, the great stuff comes from in the end of, at the end of it. But it's much harder to feel that way, especially at Katerina's age. And, you know, when you're struggling to fit in or you just want to look like everybody else in the dance class or all the rest. So no, it's a, it's a very important message at, at any age. <laughs> yeah, I know it was good to remind myself because sometimes, you know, you can with social media, you can you can go down that rabbit hole of looking at, and for me, sometimes I'll just want to watch ballet videos. And sometimes when I watch those beautiful Russian dancers who have like extension in this, I think, oh my goodness, like why do I even dance, <laughs> you know? But I have, I think what Katerina has where I just love to dance. And I think that that's what people I hope see when they watch me dance. So I just try to focus on that. I'm like, you know, I might not be able to get my leg like above my head or whatever, but I can dance. And so, yeah, it was good for me to remind myself. (laughs) It's so true. Watching someone do what they love is, it's almost this contagious effect that you have to, you feel their joy and you feel you're participating in it in some way. So, and also as an audience member, hardly anybody can tell the difference. Probably you as a professional dancer can tell the difference between you and somebody, some Russian dancer, but nobody else would be able to tell that, (laughs) that, you know, the fraction of an inch of difference that you were worried about, right? (laughs) We're as ballerinas, I feel like, you know, perfectionism doesn't really exist, but we are as close to it as possible. Like, I feel like I'm my hardest critic. You know, if one little finger is out of place, I'm like, oh gosh, that could have been better. So it's, it's it's true. We have to always remind ourselves. (laughs) So how, and this is sort of off topic, but just wondering, because there's so much, I don't know, stereo a stereotype of a dancer that there are, that it comes with sometimes body image issues, right? Because you're using your body all the time and you hear about a lot of people, you know, have 
maladaptive eating habits and all the rest. And they're so worried about their bodies and everything. So how do you have such like, well, I'm assuming, I shouldn't assume. What is your relationship with your body like? And how, how do you try to maintain the positive despite the environment that can be negative? Yeah, I think that kind of attributes to a few things. I think one was the way I was brought up. I have a really supportive family and, you know, they were always like, if I had some sort of eating thing, or I know my mom would pull me out of dance like right away. Like it was always just, you know, you have to feel your body to be strong. And so I never really ever had to think about that because that was just what was what was ingrained in me. And, you know, I think a lot of us are lucky. Like my mom was a dancer and my father was a college football coach. So I did have the athletic kind of genes, I feel like. But I think people are really interested when they see, you know, like how much I actually do eat. They're like, well, wait, you're going to eat that? And I'm like, yeah, are you? <laughs> you know, at, at like dinners with the dessert and stuff. But that's just how I've always been. I mean, so my favorite food is pasta, actually. And before every single performance the night before, I always have pasta. It's like, I think it's a mental thing. But at the same time, you know, I don't think you would really think, oh, ballerina loves like pasta or salad dressing or eats dessert. And that's always been me. And I don't know, I can't speak for all ballerinas, but I've always felt like I had a really good head on my shoulders. And I think that that comes from, you know, from, from my parents who just brought me up that way. Gosh, the pressure on the parents to make sure to raise their kids like you. (laughs) It's because, you know, you see so many injuries in dance and I've actually had some, but very little for the amount I've danced and the demand that is put on my body. And I really think that that comes from, you know, correct diet and taking care of yourself. And you have to be really disciplined, not only in class, but with recovery and fueling the body. And I think that if you're not, you know, constantly making sure that you have, you know, like snacks with you throughout the day or that you're hydrating, like that's when injuries, I think, happen more often than others. Interesting. So you are a ballerina still with the New York City Ballet. You have performed on Broadway also in Kennedy Center. You've written this book. I feel like and you're still so young. So it's like, what do you want to do with the rest? Like, what what's your big plan? Do you have a big plan of what's coming next for you? Like, you could, I feel like the sky is the limit is basically what I'm trying to say with, with what you could do with like your talent and magnetism and all the rest. So I'm just wondering, like, do you have a pie in the sky dream of, of what's to come for like the rest of your life or the, even just the next couple of years? Well, you know, I think what I've really loved during these classes is that people have gotten to really get to know me because I think that ballerinas can sometimes be put on this, I always like to say this, like untouchable pedestal where they're looked to be as like, oh, they're perfect and their life is just perfect. And that's just not me. And I really feel like with these classes, people have gotten, or they 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 really see me as how I am, you know? in my parents' kitchen doing class, I mess up. I say, you guys, oh, sorry, I'm totally not perfect. So just bear with me. I'm sorry, I messed up that step. I taught you one thing and then I did the other, you know? And I think that that's what I really think is important for ballet to be more accessible to people. And I don't know, like if there's a 
sort of talk show that would happen where I could sort of be maybe make, you know, like how I'm bringing in guests and maybe that could become something or maybe I've always wanted to direct a company like later on down the road and maybe that will be a dream of mine that could come true. I don't really know. I'm just having fun at the moment. I know. I don't know why I ask these questions that make people feel uncomfortable sometimes, but I don't, I don't really need a real answer. Like, I just think it's fun to dream and I like to hear what other people's dreams are in part as well. So no, I I no pressure to like actually go do any of that. <laughs> I think you should write a memoir. Have you thought about that? I have thought about writing another book about my injury because it was really a very traumatic one where I was told like, that I would never dance again. What ha- what happened? I had a herniated disc, a very severe one in, in my neck. And it was so severe that it was kind of pushing on, kind of, it was pushing on my spinal cord. And, you know, I was told, oh, you'll never dance again. You have to get surgery right away. And long story short, I just feel like there's a lot of people that go through what I went through, which was maybe not feeling like the doctors understood or were really able like they didn't understand my profession. They'd always say like, oh, you're a gymnast or yes, a professional athlete, but they would relate me to like a football player. And ballet, you have to use your neck. You have to use your April moss. So where they were saying, oh, we can just fix it and we'll like fuse something together. I was like, no, I'll never be able to move my neck the same way ever again. And I need to do that. So, and it was, you know, it it made me grow really strong <laughs> as a person. And I just feel like there's so many things that I would love to share with people so that they know, because it's a really lonely road when you're injured. You feel like nobody understands, nobody's listening. And I would just love to share what I learned because maybe that could help other people. And I think the most important lesson was that nobody knows your body better than you. You can use all of the medical knowledge because obviously they know more about the medical field, but they're not inside your body. And so I think that there's a point where you really have to listen to that voice inside because my voice kept saying, I understand this is really serious, but I don't want to get surgery until that's the last thing that I have to do. And so I just need to like sit and wait and give myself the opportunity to heal. And then if it doesn't, then I'll get the surgery. And I just felt the pressure. And I just want people to know, don't do anything out of pressure or fear, like do it when you're ready. Because I didn't get it. And I came back and I just did full length Swan Lake. So. Oh my gosh. So your body just healed on its own or did, were you doing like physical therapy or just oh, yeah. healed? Oh, no, no, no. It, I definitely was just doing physical therapy and I did a lot of energy healing, which sounds a little crazy, but it really helps me. So. I did all of these natural things and I came back dancing. That's amazing. Energy things like Reiki or like? I don't really know. He's just like an energy healer. Okay, all right. <laughs> like 45 minutes of talking and then 45 minutes of energy like body work, basically. And we would do something different every time, but I saw him once a week. Wow. I still do because I believe I love- I just love hearing stories like that. And it is so inspiring. It is so important. I mean, it's just amazing how quick other people can be to say, like, it's like they want to do the surgery sometimes. I mean, no, I don't mean to disparage any surgeons, but like, that's what they do. And if you go to a surgeon and you show them a problem, then they give you the surgical solution. Yeah, that's how they know how to fix it, which I'm sure is, they would fix it just fine. But 
I just didn't want to do that until I was ready. And so it was hard because I kept hearing one thing, but I kept thinking, okay, I have to just stick with what I believe. And I did. And I'm so glad I did. How long did the recovery process take you? I was out from March or April, I can't remember, until my first show back was the weekend after Thanksgiving. Wow. So, I, yeah, I was out until November. And yeah, it was like a lot of months of absolutely nothing. I couldn't move my head. I just, you know, it, it was it was really crazy, but I stuck with it. How did you deal with that emotionally? Oh, it was so hard. I mean, I'm used to dancing every day of my life. And when that's taken away, it's like, oh my gosh, you have to focus on all the other stuff that you love, but you don't feel like you're complete. And it was really hard, but I feel like I grew up a lot. And in a weird weird way, I think it was this blessing in a disguise kind of thing. That's a nice attitude about it. Well, I'm sorry you had to go through that, but at least we, you got the lessons out that, yeah. that can inform the rest of what's to come. So yeah, so, sorry, go ahead. What were you going to say? No, I was just going to say it, it let me ta- let me have time to focus on Katerina. We were really able to like work on that. And with my leotard line, I was able to like focus on that. And a lot of things I don't normally have time for, I was able to kind of use that time to keep my brain creative and working while I couldn't like be physical. So what are the plans? I know it's volume one is Katerina's, your first book is is titled volume one. So what's the, how many, do you have a number in mind for how many have you written the next installment yet? What's the thinking behind that? We're working on book two cover right now. So they have the outline and we've just seen the initial book two cover. I'm not allowed to say like who the character is, but Katerina will be, you'll start meeting some of her friends. And it's kind of with the same story about how dance is this universal language that ties a lot of people together from around the world. And so Simon and Schuster signed us for two, but we gave them an outline of 10 books. So we're hoping to have Katerina continue on. Good for you. That's awesome. I love it. Really great. (laughs) Do you have any advice to aspiring authors? I would say just try it because I, I, like you, also agree that you kind of have to like put the dreams out put them out into the universe to even know if they can happen. And I think for so long, I never would have dreamt of being an author, but I know I have a lot of things to share. And so I think the first step is just getting past being scared to even try. And that was kind of why it took us, I think, from 2014 to 17 to be like, okay, now let's just go. They could just say no, you know, or they could say yes. And they loved the idea. So I think, yeah, I would just say if you want to do it, you should really just try for it. Well, if you ever find yourself with like tons more time with nothing to do, which it sounds like that's not the type of person that you're, you are by nature. So you're probably not going to, but I have a 13 year old daughter and I feel like you would be great at writing a book for that age group also. Like maybe your memoir about your, you know, just to put my two cents in here. The the injury memoir is super important. And I think that's really important to get out there. But I also think just the way you inhabit your body and using it for strength and good and art and joy is a message that I feel like teen girls could really, really benefit from and that there's not enough of that. So, you know, in your spare time, maybe just whip up one of those manuscripts too. (laughs) 
<laughs> okay. That's, well, I have, it's funny. I mean, you know, the ballet is off now. We don't know when we will be back, which is very sad, but I've actually been really busy because these classes keep me so busy preparing, you know, because I feel like I'm doing, we joke that this house has become like, you know, my mom is the production assistant. My dad is craft services. My mom <laughs> is like a funny title because I'm also like the booker. Like I just reach out to people and I say, you know, I've been doing these free classes and, you know, would you want to pop on? And everybody has said yes. And it's, I, I can't imagine, like, I really didn't expect for so many people to be so excited by it, but I think everybody wants to help bring joy right now and stay connected. And this is one way, one little way to do that. Well, it's great. Keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> just, just add these to the list if you, okay. uh, you know, if you're look, if you're looking for new ideas. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, Tyler. Thanks so much for talking to me and sharing your story. It's really inspiring and awesome. Thank you. It was nice meeting you. You too. Take okay. care. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Body Blast Thursday, one of the last days of my July book blast. I hope you've enjoyed hearing from a ballerina or a DNA specialist or a yoga aficionado. Thanks again for listening to my podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. If you liked this episode, please follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books and sign up for my mailing list at ZibbyOwens.com so you can always hear about the latest things I'm up to. Thanks a lot. Thanks so much to Page One Books for sponsoring today's episode. I hope you'll all check out my summer beach bundle at pageonebooks.com. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Thanks for listening. You could always email me at zibby at zibbyowens.com. Thank you.